So my doctor broke my water and right away, the next contraction was like a nine out of 10 for me on the pain scale. I was like, okay, that's really Mm -hmm. painful. But the epidural, the anesthesiologist got there quickly. She was wonderful. She talked me through the whole thing. Uh, They put in like the, I think it's the numbing shot first. And that was interesting. Like, it's kind of like a twinge of pain. Like I remember kind of like doing a shimmy and being like, Oh, I can feel that. That feels Mm -hmm. weird. But then she placed the actual epidural when I was having a contraction. And that was the best case scenario because when my contraction was over, she was like, okay, I'm done. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the tools, knowledge, and confidence you need to erase the unknowns, feel in control, and have an even better birth, no matter how you deliver. My name is Liesl Teen, mom of two, practicing labor and delivery nurse, and your host. From over eight years and counting of working at the bedside, I know that knowledge is the key to an even better birth. So tune in each week to learn about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum from me, a labor and delivery nurse that's seen it all. And now let's get into this week's episode. This week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, we are doing a birth story. I have Laura coming on today to share her positive birth experience. I'm not going to spoil too much for you guys, but I just got off with her and she is just very organized in the way she tells her story and she gives so many details about her experience with trying to conceive and, you know, her pregnancy and then her birth story and postpartum. And she gives some really, really amazing advice towards the end um, when she was talking about her postpartum experience. And I'm just really excited to share this episode with you guys. So without further ado, let's get into our birth story with Laura today. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the Mommy Laborers Podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. I was just telling her uh, off mic or off camera, whatever you want to call it, uh, that I just posted on my story that I you know, I was recording a birth story today. And these are my favorite episodes to record because I just love hearing, hearing from you guys. So Yay, we're going to do a birth story. Usually what I tell people to do is kind of start from the beginning of your journey um, to getting, you know, pregnant. If you had any losses that you want to share, you can share about those, but you kind of let your story unfold and let's hear it. Okay. Well, I met my husband in 2015. We met in college and we dated for about six years. And then we got married in 2021. We were honest pretty early on about our goals in life. And if we wanted to start a family, and we were both on the same page about wanting to do that. So we got married in the summer of 2021. And then I went off with birth control that fall. And I just wasn't really sure what to expect. You know, you hear stories all the time about when it takes like a year or two to get pregnant, or sometimes women, you know, require medicine or science to get pregnant or they can't get pregnant. So I just really wasn't sure what to expect. But my mom and my sister both got pregnant really, really easily with their pregnancies. So just being genetically linked to them, I thought, well, there's a chance I could get pregnant the first cycle. Um, So we went ahead and got off of birth control just to kind of see what would happen. And it did take longer than I expected. So 
we went off in November and I got pregnant the following October. So almost a full oh, year. Wow. Yeah. 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 And there were some months in that 11 month period where I definitely wasn't trying. And the first couple of months, we were kind of lackadaisical about it. Just I thought I was ovulating. So we would try and then we weren't successful. Yeah. So I kind of got more scientific about it after the first couple of months when we weren't successful. I was like, well, maybe I'll do some research. I'm kind of a type A person anyway, when it comes to things like this. So I downloaded the Flow app. Mm -hmm. I started charting um, my basal body temperature. I started doing all these things to just kind of figure out what was going on and learn more about my cycle. And I'm really glad that I did because what I learned was that I was ovulating later than I thought. I was ovulating more on like day 17 or 18 instead Hmm. of 14. And I knew my cycles were a little bit shorter. They were like 25, 26 days. So with that late ovulation and then having my cycle earlier, that second phase of my cycle was short. And I think that might've been impacting my ability to get pregnant. Yeah. So right around the time I was learning that my cycle just kind of regulated itself. So it took about nine cycles off of birth control to have like a, a quote unquote normal cycle that was like around 28 days ovulating somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. So I tell my friends when they're like, oh, we're thinking about starting a family. What was your experience? I often just say, you just never know. Like, yeah, I was on birth control for 15 years and it took nine cycles to regulate. I know friends that were on birth control for even longer and it took them one cycle. So you just never know. Just if you're starting a family, just be prepared. It could happen that month or it could be a year or two, or you might need some help. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very good advice because it's so true. And you really don't know until you jump in and do it. Yeah. And I was really happy, like I said, that I started kind of doing some research on my own and trying to figure out what was going on. I bought those ovulation strips off of Amazon and that was really helpful as well. Mm -hmm. So my cycle regulated around nine cycles and we got pregnant on the 11th cycle. So about three months after things were kind of regulating themselves, Mm -hmm. we were successful. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, tell me after 11 cycles of not, I mean, were you a tester? Like you're testing early or I know I'm like, I was the same way. It took me a few cycles to get pregnant with, with Ryland, but I was like, you know, I know it's one or the other people are like, Nope, I'm going to wait for my period and not test. Or some people are like testing really early. So I want to know what it was like to get a freaking positive pregnancy test after 11 cycles. Yeah. I mean, at first, I feel like we were kind of in that like, oh, we're trying, not trying. We're just like, we're seeing what happens. And so I really wasn't testing. Then when I started buying the ovulation strips, those actually come with some pregnancy strips as well, Mm -hmm. um, test strips. So I was able to test at home. And at first I was testing a lot, like on day 26, 27, I was like, okay, I'm testing. Like, I don't care. Let's see what's going on. And it was always really disappointing when it was negative. And then I kind of got in my head like, oh, but it's early. So it could be, you know, false and I'll try again. And then, you know, my period would come and I would just feel so disappointed because it didn't happen again. So actually the cycle that I got pregnant, I was having some early symptoms, some kind of early pregnancy symptoms. But the funny thing about early pregnancy symptoms is that they're very similar to PMS. Sure (laughs) are. So I I had a headache one day. I was really, really fatigued the week leading up to what I thought was my period. 
the one thing that really kind of gave it away was I was still charting my basal body temperature. So on day 26, my temperature went up a little bit and I was like, well, that's interesting. And then on day 27, it went up again. And I was like, well, that's never happened before. So I was trying not to test because I just I hated being so disappointed. And I was testing in the morning and it was before work. And then I just yeah. felt like my whole day was just like weird at work because I was disappointed. Yeah. But when my temperature rose again on day 27, I was like, that's never happened before. I'm going to take a test. Mm-hmm. So I woke mm-hmm. up that morning. I took a test. I turned it over so I couldn't see the results. And I ran downstairs and kind of was getting ready for my day. And I always take my dog on a walk in the mornings. So I was getting her leash on and I flipped the test over before I walked out the door and I saw a pink line. And I was like, well, I've never seen that before. So that definitely means I'm pregnant. So I was so excited. I was like immediately shaking. I like sprinted up the stairs to tell Brett, um, my husband, but he was in the shower getting ready for work. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had this like pause because I always wanted to do something like a surprise for him, like buy a little onesie or something and kind of let him figure it out. Yeah. But then with it taking 11 months to get pregnant, we had a lot of conversations like every week, like I'm ovulating and now we're waiting. And so I figured it really wouldn't be a surprise when I was pregnant. Yeah. But I ran up the stairs and I saw he was in the shower and I was like, I'm going to do something cute. Like I always wanted to do. So I got on Amazon and I ordered a bandana for our dog to wear that said big sister, but it wouldn't come until the following day. So I knew I had to keep the secret for like at least 24 hours. (laughs) So that was hard going to work and like, you know, knowing I was thinking, you know, I'm probably pregnant. This is probably it and not telling him. And then, so that was a Friday and Saturday, we actually had lined up to go on a hike in Charlottesville. So I had to be quiet, like the whole ride there, the whole hike. And I wasn't feeling that great on the hike. And so it was hard. He was like, are you okay? Like, you're really out of breath. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) So yeah. But then when we got home, the package was there and I put the bandana on our dog and typical man, he like, didn't really notice. (laughs) (laughs) He, like, he noticed that she was wearing a bandana, but he didn't read it. I actually had to like prompt him and say like, Hey, what does it say? Like, read it. Aww. And he got it right away. He was like, Oh my gosh, you're pregnant. And he was Aww. so excited. Yeah. I love that. I love hearing those moments too, because it's such an intimate moment and such a unique moment to like find out you're pregnant and then like tell your partner and or tell your parents or wait, I want to hear, yeah. I want to hear fam, some family. Yeah. How you told your family too. Yeah. So <laughs> we were pretty private. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't tell anybody the first, it really was like the first through the ninth week. We mm-hmm. were kind of nervous Nellies about the whole thing. I think just taking a little longer than we expected to get pregnant. It just started to make us nervous about like, well, are we going to have issues? Like, is this something that we're going to have to worry about? So we were pretty private. We pretty much kept it to ourselves. So the first trimester, it was pretty normal for me. I had like some fatigue. I had a lot of acne. That was fun. And that lasted through the 30th week some mild cramping on and off, some cravings, but honestly, it was pretty smooth sailing. And then at the ninth week, we were home 
with my family for Thanksgiving. We had just had our eight-week appointment where we saw the heartbeat. Everything was measuring on track. And we started to feel a little bit more confident. Brett even asked the nurse practitioner we met with something along the lines of like, can I stop being so nervous? And you know, she was like, well, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen. But yeah, making it to eight weeks is a really good thing. You should be excited. So we were feeling good. And we were home in North Carolina visiting my family for Thanksgiving. And I actually started spotting a little bit. Oh, no. Yeah. And and of course, it was over the holidays, four hours away from home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. you know, at first I was kind of like, oh, this isn't so bad. Um, You know, like people spot. But we called the doctor and they said basically monitor from home. Watch it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's obviously if you start bleeding profusely or you're having pain, you need to go to a hospital. But yeah. if you're just spotting, uh, like just yeah. kind of monitor your symptoms from home. And yeah. they just kept saying, you know, this, it could be the start of a miscarriage or not. It could be normal. So just yeah. take it easy. Yeah. But we were totally freaked out. And we ended up telling my parents because <laughs> I think we just wanted some family to talk to at that point. Yeah. Um, my dad is a doctor. He's a GI doctor. So he does nothing with OBGYN, but it just kind of felt good to tell somebody in the medical world that we're close to kind of like, Hey, this is what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And my mom, unfortunately had experienced a lot of miscarriages. So it felt good to tell her to just somebody who would understand if that is what was going on. Um, so it was kind of weird telling them because we were like, Hey, we're pregnant, but, (laughs) (laughs) but also there's this, but we might not be pregnant. So that was kind of like bittersweet and kind of just a weird time in the pregnancy. Yeah. It was definitely a scare. So that lasted about three days of spotting on and off. And I did end up going to the hospital on the third day because I was having some more cramping and I called the office and they said, well, you might as well go in. And we went in and everything was great. There was still a heartbeat. The baby had grown since the eight-week appointment was right on track. So they kind of said the same thing that my doctor said. Just go home, take it easy, keep monitoring your symptoms. And after about six days, it stopped. Great. that was that. (laughs) So it was a weird... It was a really weird scare. But it really was just spotting. Just normal spotting, I guess. Yeah. And that is a very common first trimester symptom. You know, whenever people ask about bleeding, I always say, call your doctor. You know, anytime you bleed in pregnancy, it is abnormal, right? It's common, but it's abnormal. Uh, So I always say, call your doctor, you know, or midwife or whoever, uh, and let them know what's going on just so they know. And then, you know, kind of go from there. But yeah, it's very, very common in that first trimester. And you're right. It can mean nothing, absolutely nothing. Or it can be, you know, the first sign of a miscarriage. So I'm glad everything was okay. Yeah. Let's proceed a little bit into your pregnancy, second trimester, third trimester, anything super eventful happen? Honestly, I was really lucky. I had a really easy pregnancy. I mean, it wasn't without some pains and aches. Um, But when I was kind of reflecting on the whole thing for this podcast, I was like, you know, I really had it really lucky and I should be really grateful. Yeah. Um, Second trimester was definitely the golden trimester. We found out we were having a boy, which we were so excited about. My husband, you know, of course we say like, oh, we just want a healthy baby. And we really would have been so excited to have a girl, but he had always kind of envisioned himself having a boy. And so just getting that news was so exciting for us. Yeah. 
I started to get a little bump. So it was fun. We started telling our friends and family. We told Brett's family on Christmas Eve. And yeah, it was a really fun trimester, honestly. And then the third trimester was great too. I felt pretty good overall. I had just more aches and pains. It's just hard being heavier, going up and downstairs, getting in and out of the car, putting your shoes on, just kind of the typical things that you would expect. Um, Yeah. I had some like weird symptoms. Like I had carpal tunnel in my wrists. Hands like it was really painful to squeeze my hands. Mm -hmm. It was just a weird symptom, but it made like writing difficult and Mm -hmm. it made like opening jars difficult. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just little minor inconveniences more than anything else. Um, But yeah, I feel really lucky. I didn't ever have nausea. Really, my worst symptom was just acne. It just would not go away. But um, in my third trimester, it finally started to clear up. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, you didn't have any nausea even in the first trimester? No. no. Oh my goodness. That's wild. You're like one of the, you know, it's, I think it's 85% or 90% or something crazy high percentage of people will have nausea, at least a little bit of nausea. So you're, you're a lucky duck there. (laughs) I felt so lucky because I really, I mean, I think everybody would say they hate feeling sick, but yeah. 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 And I yeah, work with toddlers and I was like, what am I going to do if I'm like running if you have out to of change the diapers yeah, and, yeah. and like cool. all yeah. this, you know, but mm-hmm. no, I did have, um, I would say like there were three weeks, right. Early pregnancy, like six to nine weeks where I just felt off. Like I wasn't that yeah. hungry. Like I would pack a lunch and I'd open it and just be like, mm, I don't really want this. It wasn't yeah. that I was like on the verge of throwing up. It was just like, nothing sounded good except for like plain carbs, like toast a biscuit, a bagel, yeah. rice, noodles. Like that's yeah. kind of all I really wanted to eat. But that went away, like I said, within like three weeks. And then yeah, felt really good stomach-wise for the whole hey. pregnancy. So. Hey, that's awesome. Yeah, hey. very lucky. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's get into the birth story. And yeah. so tell me kind of the days leading up to when it all happened, yeah. if you were induced, if you know, you went into labor, your water broke, what kind yeah. of happened? So I was due July 1st. So I, w- I felt like really calm. My third trimester, I was doing lots of research, listening to all of your podcasts, and I bought your birth course. And I just Aww. felt like prepared and calm. And I was like, he'll come Good. when he comes. And then like the last week of June hit, and I was like, it is hot and I am huge. So the last week of June, I was doing a lot of the like red raspberry leaf tea, eating some dates. I have followed this lady on Instagram. She's a local food blogger here in Richmond. Her mm. Instagram handle is called eating bird food. And she oh. has, yeah, I know she has amazing date recipes. They're really good. Good to know. Yeah. So if you're ever looking for like, they're like Snickers and like smoothies and things like that, they were really good. So that was tolerable. I'm going to write that down and check her out because I've always said I tried the dates with both of my pregnancies towards the end. But for some reason, like the texture of them, I can't do it. Want to learn more about epidural use during birth? Whether you're team epidural all the way, or maybe you aren't so sure yet, I encourage everyone to learn about this medical pain intervention. And that's why I created the free epidural birth prep pack. Inside, you'll find printable resources to help you learn more about epidurals and help you prepare for your birth. 
It includes the Epidural Basics Guide, which is a quick primer on epidurals so that you know a little bit about what to expect when the time comes, our super popular hospital bag checklist so that you know your hospital bag is stocked with everything you need for that big day. You'll get traditional and visual birth plan templates to help you think through all the questions related to your birth and gain the sense of control that you deserve. And finally, you'll get a third trimester to-do list to feel completely at ease heading into labor, knowing you've checked every box. To start learning more for your even better birth, simply head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash epidural pack. That's mommylabornurse.com slash epidural pack to access your free epidural prep pack today. So that's really good to hear that yeah. she has a lot of like date-based uh, mm-hmm. recipes to try. Yeah. I'm definitely no, going to check I, that out. I would never, I don't think I would ever be able to bring myself to eat one out of yeah. the jar. Yeah. I needed no, them thanks. like blended with almond butter and, you know, all kinds of other things to get them down. Yeah. I did a lot of curb walking. I did a lot of like exercising up and down the stairs and just walking around the neighborhood, bouncing on the ball. So I had my 39 week appointment on a Friday and I was due that Monday or maybe Sunday. Mm -hmm. So at that appointment, I had a membrane sweep and the doctor said, if this is going to work, it will probably work within 48 hours. So sometime this weekend, if you go into labor, maybe it worked. Um, So we were kind of on baby watch that weekend and my due date was that Saturday and I lost my mucus plug that morning and I was like, things are happening. This is great. But I felt pretty normal that day, honestly, like no other symptoms. Of course, my husband was like a ball of nerves staring at me like, are you going to pop? But it was a pretty normal day. We took some walks. We just kind of chilled at home. We got some Shake Shack. Nice. Yeah. And then that night... We went to bed. So my due date came and went and I woke up at like 3am with a contraction and I had a ton of Braxton Hicks my second trimester, but this definitely felt different. It was just more global. Like I felt like my whole stomach was getting tight, Mm -hmm. but it really wasn't painful. Like I woke up from it because it was like a sensation, but it really wasn't like I jolted awake, like, oh my gosh. And then about 30 minutes later, I had another one and I was like, Ooh, this is it. Mm-hmm. And then I fell asleep and woke up the next morning and I was like, well, I guess that was just practice. So yeah. <laughs> just two contractions. Okay. You know, slow and steady wins the yeah, race, right? Just, just practicing <laughs> for the big day. So oh. then it was July 2nd. And again, it was a really normal day. It was incredibly hot here in Richmond. So we wanted to go, I wanted to go on a walk, but it was too hot to be outside. So we actually walked through Costco and that was pretty fun. We like one of the sample ladies asked me when I was due and it was fun to be like yesterday. <laughs> she was like, oh my gosh. But again, no signs of labor like the whole day, just a totally normal day. And then that night we were getting into bed and it was about 10 o'clock and we had just turned off the lights and we're like cozing down. And I felt a contraction like right at 10 o'clock. And oh, Brett even looked at me and was like, are you having a contraction? And I was like, mm, yeah, but like I had two last night and it's probably nothing. I just didn't want to like alert him. He had work in the morning. I was like, it's probably nothing. Let's just go to sleep. Yeah. So um, we went to bed and then at 1030, I had another one. And then at 1045, I had another one. So I got out my app and I started tracking things because I was like, okay, three, that's more than I had last night. 
Um, And so they were about 15 minutes apart and then they dropped to eight minutes apart and then six minutes apart all before midnight. So quickly, I was like, I think I'm in labor. Yeah, this is something. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is not slowing down. Yeah. They stayed at six minutes apart until about 2 a.m. And then they dropped to like between five and four minutes apart. Okay. So I was like, okay, time to wake up Brett and let him know what's going on. So I woke him up and told him that we were in labor. And honestly, at that point, it really wasn't that painful. Yeah. Just that tightening kind of global feeling. And, you know, it follows a pattern. So I started to feel the contraction come on and I was like, okay, I'm having a contraction. And then about 30 seconds and I was like, okay, yeah, that's really tight. That's a little painful. And then within a couple of seconds, it was like, okay, it's going away. Yeah. So it really was not awful, which is why mostly why I didn't wake my husband up earlier. I was like, we're about to never sleep again in right. our entire lives. So I might right. as well let him sleep for four hours. So woke him up. So nice of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's so thoughtful. So I woke him up around two. I was like, I'm in labor. We kind of like packed up the car, spent some time with my dog and called the doctor's office. And they said, you can head in whenever you want. Their policy was if the contractions are between three and five minutes and lasting more than a minute, then you can head to the hospital. Yeah. And the contractions started to get more regular around like the four minute mark. And I was like, this is happening kind of fast. So maybe we should just go. So we left for the hospital around 4 a.m. And there was one contraction in the car where I was like, I am really thankful that we are headed to the hospital. I am an epidural girly all the way. Like as soon as I saw the pink line back in October, I was like, I'm pregnant. I'm getting an epidural. <laughs> I love so, it. I know myself. Like if I stub my toe, I'm crying. So I was like, I don't need to be a hero. I am on the way to the hospital to get an epidural. Yeah, um, love it. <laughs> yeah. So I was thankful that we were on the way around 4 a.m. when um, I was starting to be in a little bit more pain. Yeah. So we got to triage and they checked me and I was only three centimeters dilated, 70% of pain. Oh, yeah. like it's, you're like, it's something, it's like, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. So they told us we could go home or we could stay. And we were both like, we want to stay because we had already, you know, packed up everything, fed yeah. the dog. Like it just made more sense. So we were admitted and I labored in the room until about 10 a.m. just on my own. Well, with Brett, but, you know, breathing, swaying, bouncing on the yoga ball. Um, I was hooked up to a monitor, I think, the whole time. So we were watching the contractions and, um, well, I guess I wasn't because I was moving around the room. Um, but we had our app open where we were tracking them because mm-hmm. I know that when one would start to time it and he was kind of helping me like, okay, it's been 30 seconds. It's going to get intense. And then Good. after that 30 seconds, he's like, okay, you made it to a minute. It's coming down. So that was really helpful and kind of gearing up for the contractions. He'd say, like, Hey, it's been about four minutes just to let you know. So that was really helpful to have my partner kind of just helping yeah. me through contractions that way. I just really hated being in the bed at that time. And I was kind of like, how am I going to like getting an epidural? Because I know I'm going to be stuck in this bed. And at that point I was starting, it was painful, but I was still able to like breathe and talk through contractions. So I was mostly moving around the room at that point. Mm -hmm. Around 10, the doctor who was rounding came in and she checked me and I was four centimeters, 90% of face. So a little bit of progress at that point. I was in labor for 12 hours. So she said, we can go ahead and break your water if you want. And I said, yes, let's do that. And also I've heard 
from the mommy labor nurse podcast <laughs> that that can make things more intense. So let's get the anesthesiologist like on deck. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah, that's yeah. what I always do with my patients unless they're having, you know, issues with their labor yeah. pattern and they they need, you know, their water broken, but if they're like I want an epidural, let's get your epidural before we break your water because yeah. it'll be a little more painful. Uh-huh. And I was like, I know that I need to have fluids. I know that you guys need yeah. to test my platelets. Like, has all of that been done? Are we good? Yeah. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we're good. Like, if you want it, we'll put in the order. And I was like, let's do it. Yeah. So my doctor broke my water. And right away, the next contraction was like a nine out of 10 for me on the pain Ooh. scale. I was like, okay, that's mm-hmm. really painful. And honestly, it took 30 minutes for the epidural to be placed. And those 30 minutes are kind of a blur. Like, I know I was up, I had to go to the bathroom at some point, I was leaking water all over the room. It was kind of a mess. I know I was like shaking. And I was feeling a lot of pain in like my back, Mm. kind of like if you've ever had really sharp, like gas pain, and you're almost like your colon, like it just is really, really sharp. Yeah. In my lower back. Mm. And yeah, so that was that was uncomfortable. But the epidural, the anesthesiologist got there quickly. She was wonderful. She okay. talked me through the whole thing. Uh, they put in like the, I think it's the numbing shot first. And that was interesting. Like, it's kind of like a twinge of pain. Like I remember kind of like doing a shimmy and being like, Oh, I can feel that. That feels mm-hmm. weird. But then she placed the actual epidural when I was having a contraction. And that was the best case scenario because when my contraction was over, she was like, okay, I'm done. And I didn't even feel, I mean, I know oh, I was numb, which probably also helped, but it was not a big deal at all. So if you're good. nervous about it, getting an epidural, I mean, I think it helps to get one when you're already a nine out of 10 in pain from contractions. Cause it's just, I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, if you got hit by a car and somebody yeah. gives you a, like steps on your toe, it's just not a big deal because right. there's other bigger things going on. Exactly. So. Good analogy. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, that was around 1030 and I felt really, really good until about four o'clock. So I chilled, I took a nap. The nurse came in and put a peanut ball between my legs and kind of helped me switch positions every now and then. My husband got to chill a little bit. I don't think he slept because he was so like amped up mm-hmm. from being there, but he got to like go outside and touch grass a couple of times and like breathe through this whole process. So mm-hmm. that was really nice for both of us. And one interesting thing was kind of as time went on, the right side of my body was much more affected by the epidural. Mm-hmm. So my right foot fell completely asleep. Like I couldn't move it at all. So I was really dependent on the nurses to kind of like help me change positions, which I think I would have been anyway, but I really couldn't help them at all. I mean, we laugh about it now, but there were times where I would look over and my right leg was literally hanging out of the bed. And I'm like, Brett, Brett, my leg. And he's like, oh my gosh, trying to help me get it back. In. And I couldn't, I mean, it was gone. I could not. Yeah. See my leg. yeah. So that was interesting, but overall the epidural was very good. And around four o'clock, I started feeling this interesting kind of like dull, achy pain and on my right rib cage. Mm-hmm. My baby was LOA. So he was on the left side of my body, uh, my stomach head down, but his mm-hmm. back was very much so against like my left side of my stomach. And then his bottom was kind of curled up under my left ribs. And then his legs were curled up under my right ribs, Mm -hmm. Um, right where his legs were. I was feeling this like dull, achy feeling, kind of like if you 
have ever fallen asleep in the car and you wake up with like a crick in your neck and you're just like, Oh, what is this? It kind of felt like that. But what I thought would make it feel better is like getting on all fours and doing like some child pose or cats and cows and kind of working it out. But of course, having the epidural, I was really hard to kind of like stretch like I wanted to. So we called the nurse in and um, she helped me. She kind of took my lead and was like, you know, what do you think would help? What position do you want to be in? And and she helped me move into a couple different positions, kind of like draping over a yoga ball and just some creative things, honestly, Mm -hmm. to help me stretch out. And every time I moved, it was like, oh yeah, this is great. Thank you so much. And then like 10 minutes later, we would call her and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm still in a lot of pain. Can you help me? And that went on for almost three hours where it was just like, I couldn't get comfortable. And the pain went from kind of this like dull feeling to like really painful, like almost like a burning sensation. Mm. And I started like feeling like I couldn't get a deep breath in. I was getting the epidural shakes and I started just getting really nervous about pushing because I Mm. was in the most pain laying on my back. And I was like, I'm going to need good breath support and probably, yeah. oh, I don't know if you can hear it. My little guy's crying. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love when they, when we can hear it, but it's, yeah. <laughs> if you need to go and like tend to him too, it's okay. <laughs> My can. husband is luckily home today. So he is on okay. baby duty. There you um, go. So they should be just fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> it sounds like he's waking up from a nap and they're going to go downstairs and. Uh, oh, I, did, I heard him a little bit. Yeah. I heard him. He's probably hungry. Um, oh. But yeah, so burning sensation in my ribs. So I started getting nervous about pushing. And around that time, I could tell like the nurses were kind of also maybe a little confused. They were like, I don't know, like we keep changing positions. Nothing's really helping. So they called the anesthesiologist and he came back and he was kind of like palpating my ribs and asking me some questions. And he actually said, well, it's possible that the baby kicked you and may have like damaged or broken even one of your ribs. Yikes. And I was like, what? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so he asked my permission to, I'm not sure if he like redosed the epidural or like turned it up because I don't think that like, I didn't have to have another epidural placed, but they did something with the medicine where it made it less painful. Did they take the tape off of your back? At no. All? Okay. No. Okay. Yeah, they probably just gave you more and were you sitting probably on your other side. So hopefully it goes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there were some position changes and that really helped within about an hour. So that was about seven o'clock. And by eight o'clock, I was feeling a lot better. Good. Like very numb. So I was like, yeah, I can't feel my ribs at all. And around that time, I got checked again and I was seven centimeters and 100% effaced. So still making progress. Yeah. And from seven to eight, it was really chill. I just kind of, I think I might have napped again. The nurse checked on me a couple of times and I just was feeling really good at that point. And then around eight o'clock, I became extremely nauseous. The only thing I could get out was like puke bag. And then I threw up and... There it all is from nine months having during labor. Yep. That's the one time I threw up. Oh, And I started just getting, I think, uncomfortable overall. And my nurse was like, you might be transitioning. Do you mind if I check you again? And I was like, sure. And I was 10 centimeters. And she was like, I can feel his head. He's right here. So you're actually ready to push. Yay! So that was exciting. That was around eight o'clock and Brett cried. I think he was just like so excited slash 
Like it's he, such an emotional roller coaster. He cried when she was like, it's time to start pushing. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think honestly for him, like we've unpacked a lot of the birth story together. And I think for him, he was like, I just wasn't prepared to see you in that amount of pain. Mm-hmm. It really mm-hmm. is a roller coaster. He was like, you know, like we got yeah. to the hospital and then you were in a ton of pain and they broke your water and then you were sleeping. And I was so relieved that you were okay. And then you had this rib pain and that lasted for yeah. three hours and nobody knew what to do. And yeah. then it was time to push. And I think it was just a release of like emotion because yeah. he was excited and nervous and it's a lot for our partners and sure is you know like I I don't really think about it because I'm the one doing it but it Mm -hmm. was sweet to see him kind of tear up and get excited for me so that was around eight and honestly the first hour or so of pushing was extremely chill like it was just me and Brett and our nurse Haley, who we loved. And she was just kind of sitting on the end of the bed and watching the monitor because I really couldn't feel anything. And she would say, okay, you know, you're having a contraction, Brett, this is how you hold her leg. I'm going to hold your other leg. She was really helpful with just like teaching me how to push and guiding me. Um, and I would push three or four times. And she was like, I can feel his head. It's, it's coming down with every single push. You're doing a great job. But my contractions were still four minutes apart. Mm. Kind of wild because they had been four minutes apart since like, like 3 a.m. the night before. And this was 8 p.m. Yeah. A very long time. They were four minutes apart. Even though I was progressing in other ways, the contractions never really sped up. Yeah. Is that common? <laughs> I was just going to say that can, I wouldn't say it was it's common, but that's definitely something that can happen. And I was just going to comment on pushing. It can make pushing a little frustrating because you're like waiting all this time in between these contractions. And you're like, well, I have been pushing for an hour, but I've only had, you know, however, four divided by whatever it is. So it can be frustrating because it's like, come on, like I, yeah. I just I'm, I want to push. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was very interesting. And the contractions were somewhat erratic. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. she would be watching the monitor and she'd be like, okay, you're about to have a contraction. And they would grab my legs and I'd be like ready to push. And she'd be watching. And she was like, um, not really. And so I wouldn't push. So I was like missing contractions. So it'd be like eight minutes had gone by and then like five, I don't know. It was very chill. Like we were not panicked. Yeah. We're, you know, in between contractions, we were talking about our favorite TV shows and it was nice, but it was also kind of like, what's going on? Like, let's get the road on the, or the show on the road. So she was kind of like checking in with the doctors on staff and the other nurses periodically too. And she had, I actually had a midwife who delivered our baby. So I hadn't seen a midwife before, but I was supposed to have a doctor from our practice. I'm not sure what happened, but it was a full moon and it was the night before July 4th, the holiday. And I think things Mm. are just busy and a little crazy, the labor delivery word. So we had a midwife and I was like, yes, I actually like would love to have a midwife deliver me. And her name was Laura, which is my name. So it just felt really special. And she was great. So she came in after I'd been pushing for about an hour and kind of watched me push once or twice. And she was like, you're doing great. Just keep working. And we'll kind of like monitor what's going on with your contractions. Mm -hmm. So I pushed like that for an hour and a half. And then she came back and she was like, okay, how do you feel about adding some Pitocin? It could just kind of make your contractions a little closer together. And she also was like, how do you feel about us turning your epidural down a little bit? Because it would probably help you push more effectively. And she said something along the lines of, 
you know, it's your choice in the end, but honestly, you could be doing this for like four or five hours. And I was yeah. like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. We don't want to do that. Yeah. Let's get the Pitocin rolling. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that around nine 30 and then things were immediately a lot more intense. Okay. So I pushed from nine 30 to 10 30. So one more hour and then he was born. Hmm. Yeah. So it was awesome. The last hour of pushing was, I could feel a lot more, a lot more pressure, a lot more of that, just like stretching sensation. I could feel kind of like a stinging sensation at one point. They said that was probably the ring of fire, Mm -hmm. but my team was amazing. They were just very communicative. I had asked in my birth plan for having a warm compress and they were using olive oil. And my midwife was like working on me the whole time in between pushes. It was, I just felt very cared for and they were such big cheerleaders and Brett was so supportive. So even though it was painful and I could feel a lot more, it was a positive experience. So that was great. Yeah. So he was born at like 1032. So I think it was about two and a half hours of pushing and then he was here. Oh my goodness. I know two hours. It feels like a long time. And when, you know, especially with first time moms, I say, you know, expect to push for a long time. It can't, you know, two, three hours. You're like in your head, you're like, what? That seems like it's forever. Yeah. (laughs) But that is common, you know, first time. I mean, it, I see sometimes first time moms come in and they just, it's real quick, you know, a couple contractions and 15 minutes of pushing and then they have their babies, but nothing that big has come through that passageway before. So you kind of have to just get it going, get it just right and turn that head just right. So. All right. The sound of that heartbeat means it's time for this week's segment of birth fit up. Babies, this one says, hi there. I had my first baby on January 18th and took the natural series to prep. I had the best birth. As you suggested, I was mentally prepared for a day. And then she put in parentheses, S, like a days long labor, but baby came six days early. I only labored six hours and pushed for 30 minutes. Wow. It all happened so quickly. I relied on instincts for comfort measures. It's a good thing I was planning to deliver without an epidural because I was nine centimeters when I got triage and was ready to push within 30 minutes of arrival. Woo, girl. Yeah, that's quick. I was barely nervous because I felt so prepared for whatever might happen. Thanks to the thorough info in your course. Definitely helped me stay relaxed leading up to labor. Thanks so much. Oh, I love it. Oh, thank you so much guys for sending us these and DMs and emails. We just, I I love them. I love reading these out and I love just going through. I have a camera roll photo album where I just have a ton of them and just going through reading them. It, it warms my heart. Ugh. And if you want to have an even better birth, just like this mama, head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash courses to learn more about our three online on-demand birth classes. That's exactly right. And honestly, I was nervous about that too. Just like thinking about pushing because, you know, I felt pretty prepared for birth. I felt prepared for contractions. I felt prepared for the epidural procedure. Um, My partner felt prepared. But when it came to pushing, I was like, how do you prepare? Like, I can't practice that. I know. I know. I was really nervous that I just wasn't going to be able to do it well or would need like assistance of some sorts or, you know, just of all the things that can happen. And I will say, like, 
the first hour was so chill. It didn't even feel really the first hour and a half. It didn't even really feel like I was pushing. I couldn't feel a lot. I was not in pain. It was not like everybody was swarming the room. Like it was very relaxed. The last hour more intense, but it goes by so fast when you're the one pushing. Like I actually had to go back in my hospital notes and read like when they administered the Pitocin and when the baby was born, because it felt like five minutes. So I was actually shocked to see, oh, it was actually an hour from when the Pitocin was administered to when he was born. So I was pushing for an hour, but it felt like minutes. Yeah. Oh, yay. So he came out, I'm sure. And everybody was all happy. And yes, anything eventful happened in postpartum or your hospital stay or anything like that? Yeah. So he came right out. He cried for like the first hour. We got to do skin to skin with him. We got to do the delayed cord clamping. Brett got to hold him some and he was screaming like the whole first hour, but I was able to nurse him about an hour in and he calmed right down. So I think he was hungry, but he was so cute. He has still has the biggest feet I've ever seen. So in love with him. So yeah. And after that first hour, he was like in that really calm alert stage, just kind of blinking and staring up at us. And it was a really awesome experience. So after he was born, I delivered the afterbirth about 30 minutes later. And I kind of noticed my nurse and midwife looking kind of concerned. And I was Mm -hmm. like, what's going on? And apparently I had like a large clot. And so the midwife actually reached up and kind of manually Mm -hmm. helped that come down. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty painful. But she was like, I always tell my patients better to do it now than in a week, you're back here in the operating room. And I was like, that's yeah. so true. Yeah. So they did administer some antibiotics via my IV that same night just to kind of prevent any kind of infection from that. I had a first degree tear. So I did have to get stitched up, but it was not a big deal. It was great to have my baby on my chest for all of that. I just, I felt really content and honestly, really happy. It was just first degree because, you know, I knew I was probably going to tear and being a first time mom, I was pretty scared of it being worse. So I will take the first degree tear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially with pushing for two and a half hours too. Sometimes, you know, I don't know what really the evidence says, like how it's linked, but I often see when moms are pushing for extended periods of time, uh, not that they get more severe tears, but they're just more likely to tear. Yeah. And I feel like the last couple of pushes. My midwife was really good. I really feel like this is why maybe I didn't tear worse, but she was kind of guiding me like do a little push, little push, take a break. I really felt that like urge to push in the end. And it also just like the stretching sensation of like his head coming through was so intense that I remember they were like, okay, your contractions over, you can take a break. And I was like, I don't want to like, I want this kid out of me. And I think if it was up to me, I would have just shot him out. Yeah. And maybe would have torn worse. So it was kind of helpful to have them just guiding and kind of saying like, okay, you know, just do a little baby pushes right now. And I actually, that's how I got, I think his body out in the end was I was in between contractions, but I was giving like little baby pushes just Mm -hmm. because I was like, I had such an urge to push. And she was like, that's great. Just keep doing that. And he came right out. So Mm -hmm. I did have to get stitches from that tear. And I also had periurethral tears. Mm. You know, those are tears that go up towards Mm -hmm. your and they said those don't require stitching. Mine didn't, but they wanted to make me aware because they said those were going to be pretty uncomfortable and yeah. just something to kind of monitor. 
Yeah. So that was the extent of it. <laughs> but I feel yeah, like I'm away from it pretty lucky. <laughs> I know. I know. No, that was a great experience. And I'm I'm glad you made a note talking about how great your team was in terms of their communication and how you felt so well taken care of. Because I was just talking about this at the hospital with some of my coworkers in like how much we can really have an impact on this person's experience. Like I can do all of the prep all day long. Like my mom, you know, take a birth course, learn everything you can. But when it comes to it, if you're not getting great care, it's going to impact your experience. So I'm so glad to hear that you had a really supportive care team. That just makes me so happy. Yes. No, it was honestly the best experience. We loved our nurse Haley. She was actually the one. Shout out to Haley from from Richmond. Richmond. Yeah. (laughs) St. Mary's. (laughs) Um, Yeah. She was the nurse that was there when I was admitted. And so she was doing like seven to seven shifts. So she, Mm -hmm. when we first got there and was like, I'll probably see you when I come back tonight. Yeah. Um, Just with being a first time mom, she knew it would probably take me a while. And so she got to be there when we arrived and then she got to be there when he was born. And so that just felt really special. So yeah, she was great. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So we stayed at the hospital for about a day and a half and everything was great there. And then we headed home and the postpartum experience started. (laughs) Oh, okay. Is there a story behind that? We can, we can talk about postpartum. Yeah, sure. Honestly, there's not a story, but I just kind of want to shine a light on it because I felt so prepared like I keep saying for pregnancy and for birth and delivery and even like newborn basics. I have some experience with children being a nanny and working in childcare. And so I felt like pretty confident, but postpartum, I just, I didn't feel that prepared for. And, you know, I did physically prepare, like I made sure I had like free to disposable underwear and that we had Motrin in the house. And I feel like mentally, I just didn't prepare myself because I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of want to share my experience. It may not be everyone's experience, but maybe just hearing how like one girl dealt with it will make another mom out there feel like, oh, this is a little bit more relatable and make you feel less crazy because you can feel crazy in those parts. Sure can. Sure can. Yeah, Yeah. please do. Please do share. Yeah. So I feel like emotionally, it is definitely a roller coaster. And that is totally not me. Like I'm somebody who I really, I really don't cry that often. It Mm -hmm. takes a lot to work me up. And so I kind of just naively thought like I will be spared from that emotional roller coaster postpartum. And that was not the case. So if you're wondering if there's something wrong with you because you're feeling every single emotion on the spectrum, no, there's nothing wrong with you. There were times when I was like the happiest I've ever felt like standing in the nursery with him after being in there for all those months and imagining that moment, like you feel so happy. And then there are moments where you feel really angry. Like sometimes when he would wake up crying at night, the first emotion I felt was like rage. Once I was up working with him, it was like, okay, no, this is normal. This is his only way to communicate. Like Mm -hmm. you don't need to be angry, but you know, like it's normal to feel, I think, angry sometimes like angrier than you probably ever have. And then you feel sad sometimes. Like I cried the day we got home from the hospital because I took a shower. And when I got out of the shower, I couldn't pick my clothes up off the floor just because like bending over and squatting down was really painful at that time. Yeah. 
and you just feel overwhelmed sometimes. And then, you know, there's also like postpartum anxiety and depression. Those are definitely a very real thing. And you're sleep deprived. So all those emotions are exacerbated times 100 because you're only getting a couple hours of sleep here and there. So my advice in that area is just like, you might feel crazy and that's totally okay. You might be laughing one moment and then crying and just know that that feeling, these feelings, this roller coaster you're on, it's not going to last forever. You're going to get yourself back one day. And it's really important to talk to your family, reach out to other moms, talk to your partner, and obviously monitor if things aren't getting better. It's really important to jump on that and talk to your doctor. But yeah, I mean, I think just having a huge range of emotions the first couple of weeks is to be expected. And my advice to partners is this is not the time to match your wife's energy. <laughs> like if she's snapping at you, this is not the time to snap back. Or if yeah. she has a really short patience with you, just know like this is a lot. And it's, it's going not her. Yeah. It's not, it's a very extreme version of her and what she's going through right now. Yeah. No, yeah. that's very, very good advice. Yeah. And then physically recovering, it's, you know, I don't want to scare anybody, but it is painful at times. It's short-lived and you do forget it. Obviously, I mean, women go on to have multiple children. So somehow we do. (laughs) I feel like you forget. And like, honestly, I'm 12 weeks postpartum right now. And when I was kind of like reflecting back on this, there were things when I was like, oh yeah, that was painful. Like I've already forgotten a lot of the things that were really painful for me. And I think that's a good thing. Like it's your body's way of just kind of like ridding yourself of that. But using yeah. that chapter back there. Yeah. yeah. We don't need to think about or dwell on that. But yeah. know that like there are going to be moments when you are in pain. Like yeah. I was sometimes in pain just sitting up to breastfeed or getting the baby out of the bassinet with no core muscles. So if you are in pain, like that's probably to be expected. I also put an unrealistic timeline on myself sometimes. Like I had reached out to some other mom friends who had just had kids. And I was like, when did you feel like a hundred or 90% better? And mm-hmm. one mom said, man, by like the end of two weeks, I was feeling about 90% better. And then another mom friend said it took about three weeks. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, in two or three weeks, I'm going to feel like 90% better. Everything's going to be fine. And that was not my experience. I healed slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably like even at the six week appointment, I was like still in a little bit of pain with certain activities. So it probably took me closer to two months to feel close to that 90 to 100% mark. So I think my advice in this area would be don't put a timeline on yourself. Know that like everybody heals at a different rate. Don't get discouraged if it's been two weeks and you're like, I'm still like pulling myself up the stairs by the railing. That's okay. Like, It takes some time, especially, I mean, I only had a first degree tear and a vaginal delivery. Like I can't even imagine the moms that had second and third degree tears or worse and C-sections, like it must take them so much longer to feel better or not. I mean, I think it just differs body to body. You're exactly right. It just differs so much depending on who you are and what, I mean, everyone who was pregnant and now postpartum, their bodies went through this crazy transformative experience. So like there's going to be some amount of pain and just, yeah, but you're right. You said it best that everybody kind of heals at a different pace. Yeah. I mean, you hear this, like I remember when I was the doctor was doing a round um, when I was in the recovery section and she said, prioritize your health. 
or she yeah. said something like, take care of yourself. And I was like, uh-huh, sure. But like, really, that is so important. And as a mom, like, it's just really hard to do. Like, I remember yeah. it would be like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I would think like, I haven't had any water today. And then all of a sudden it was like three o'clock and I've been like trying to get a glass of water for two hours. So like yeah. ask for help yeah. and prioritize your health would definitely be my advice in this area. Love it. Love it. Oh yeah. So, and then the last little piece of postpartum that I'll share is just to have a lot of grace with yourself because it is a learning curve, mm-hmm. um, especially like first time moms, but you're doing a lot of learning. You're sleep deprived. You have hormones rushing through your body. You're recovering physically and you're juggling a newborn. So mm-hmm. there's just so much to learn about like wake windows and schedules and feeding. If you're breastfeeding, like I took a breastfeeding class beforehand and I, I do think it was helpful, but breastfeeding is also kind of an on the job learning Learning curve for sure. Yeah. yeah. Because it oh, depends yeah. on your baby's palate, their mm-hmm. latch your supply, your individual nipples, they could be Mm -hmm. different from left to right. Like there's just a lot of learning that has to happen. Like once you have the baby in your arms. So, you know, there's going to be things that pop up that you, you did as much research and you prepared as much as you could, but you're still going to be learning. So just have a lot of grace with yourself. Baby's learning you too. It might be frustrating at times, but you know, luckily you're spending this time together, hopefully in the first couple of weeks so that you can learn each other and things do get better. They get easier. So they sure do. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. And you Absolutely. said 12 weeks postpartum, right? So your baby's yeah. 12 weeks old. Yeah. Oh, what is he doing? Like what kind of things is he doing right now? Oh, he's so fun. So sleep wise, we were sleeping through the night. But the thing with sleep is that it's one step forward, two steps back. So now we're back to waking up twice in the night. So that's fun. But he's like smiling now. He's really good at tummy time. He loves like being in his bouncy chair. He's starting to like bat at toys. So he's a lot more interactive. Another thing I will say about postpartum is like sometimes, and this may be an unpopular opinion, but like the first six weeks are just, they're not that rewarding. Like, yes, you love your baby. It's not about love, but they're not really interacting with you. Like they're not smiling at you. Like you're not getting the warm, fuzzy feelings of the back and forth. Like, Oh, you appreciate that I'm feeding you and like sacrificing my nipples for you every two hours. Like, no, they're just kind of there and they're screaming. Yeah. They're just little blobs. And like I said, it's nothing about love, but like, it's just hard. Like you have all these things going on and like, you're taking care of like a blob. So yeah, it get better around like six to eight weeks. I would say it was like the clouds were lifting. We started seeing some smiles, like things just got a lot more rewarding and it's only gotten better from there. Oh, that is so sweet. Yeah. Well, Laura, thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Absolutely. Fabulous. I hope you, you have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Thanks so much for having me. Wasn't that just such a great story? Oh, I just got off with her and I wish I had kept the recorder on. But one thing she told me off mic was, you know, she was like, thank you for everything you do, blah, blah, blah. But she said that birth stories were really what made such a huge difference in 
her birth experience and just listening to other people talk about their births, hearing what they experienced. And she's totally right. I say that in the birth courses that, you know, it's in the resource section, like make sure you're listening to a lot of different birth stories because I can tell you, you know, everything that I know, but sometimes you need to hear it from other people and actually hear them speak about their own experience. So yeah, I love birth stories, guys. All right, let's see what's on deck next week on the podcast. We are going to be talking about nurse gift baskets. We're going to be going through uh, what to put in a little gift basket or what to get your nurses if you come in and you even want to do that. Um, we have plenty of people who don't you know, bring anything. And I say this about 40 times during the episode, but like, don't feel like you ever have to get us anything at all. But I get this question a lot in DMs of like, what do I bring my nurses? I want to bring them something. So I figured I'd do a whole episode on it. So that's coming out next week. I will see you guys then. Already feeling a little more confident about pregnancy, birth, and newborn life? Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can continue to erase the unknowns and never miss an episode. And if you're looking for even more, Instagram is definitely where I hang out the most. Come join our community of more than a half a million moms for birth education, tips, and solidarity. You can find me at mommy.labornurse. Check out today's show notes and a searchable library of every Mommy Labor Nurse podcast episode at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. And while you're there, be sure to head to the blog to learn about our online birth classes too. See you next week. And remember, you can have an even better birth, no matter how you deliver.